Raj Geary will be joining us later in the show. We're going to talk about last night's SmackDown Live. We're going to talk about our SummerSlam predictions. And we're also going to talk about the wrestling news this week and what's going on in the world of WWE professional wrestling and a little bit of UFC. Uh, so first, let's just jump right in to SmackDown Live. You know, here we are in the new era. Things are up and running. I feel like this is, you know, chapter one as we head into uh, what Raw and SmackDown are both going to be with uh, SummerSlam really, you know, proving that that's, that's the goal that they're getting towards. And from there, I think we're going to see a lot of things unleash and get in motion. Um, overall, David, big, big picture thoughts on this week's SmackDown Live. Hmm. I think I think it was better than Raw for sure. Raw was very uh, running in place, for, which was strange for a go home show. So I think it was also, I think it was also definitely a better go home show mm-hmm. than uh, than Raw was. So I think overall it was the stronger program, but I don't think either was really strong enough overall to push hard into the second biggest show of the year. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I I think with Raw, they spent so much time building up towards SummerSlam with SmackDown. And especially, I don't know if you watched Talking Smack on the WWE Network afterwards, but I feel like SmackDown is really building up towards after SummerSlam. um, And their running in place wasn't, was was really a, um, a symptom of them saying like, hey, We've got a lot of stuff coming as far as new tag belts, new women's belts, um, you know, new bigger storylines that are going to be emerging and evolving post SummerSlam. I don't know if SummerSlam is going to be the catalyst for this or the kickoff of some of these SmackDown storylines. I feel like with the WWE Universal title, um, you know, the uh, Brock versus Randy match, the uh, even the rematch of Charlotte versus Sasha. I feel like, you know, those are the three uh, three biggest things going to SummerSlam. Cena versus uh, uh aj i think is, is going to be big but i don't know what storyline is going to happen there uh but it seems like smackdown you know ziggler versus ambrose you know that i think is interesting but i don't think uh, that's a big monumental moment in the wwe universe um and it seems like you know what they're doing with the smackdown women on uh SummerSlam, uh you know i was uh saying last night i, I wouldn't be surprised if that gets kicked to the pre-show or that's very very early in the proceedings um, so I feel like SmackDown doesn't have quite as much interesting happening at SummerSlam as, you know, what, what, uh, Raw has. So I, I feel like they're, yeah, they're, they're sort of setting things up for where they're going to go afterwards, you know, as opposed to setting things up for the pay-per-view on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, none, nothing really feels like it other, other than Orton and Lesnar, which even then this week didn't really feel like it was getting that big a push um there's nothing really on the show that feels like it's bringing forward momentum mm-hmm. yeah not with um, smackdown not i mean not yeah. at all as i mean i would say even i mean other the, on raw you have the title match so there is that on smackdown i mean yeah definitely not you know, uh, style Cena is going to be great, I'm sure. Um, and they make you making a big deal that it's like, oh, without the club getting involved, the club is on the same pay-per-view. It's not like, you know, they're sequestered from each other. Right. It's not like them being on Raw magically means they won't interfere if there's no special stipulations or anything. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. So, uh, so Raj is again going to be joining us later in the podcast. He's on the NXT conference call right now. Uh, he'll be coming and we'll be going, uh, match by match through our SummerSlam predictions, but you know, let's, let's jump into everything that happens specifically on SmackDown. Um, started with, uh, Heath Slater in the opening segment. 
Uh, what do you think about what they're doing with Slater, David? I'm a little conflicted, if only just because they booked him in a way that got the crowd behind him as a babyface on Monday. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of gave up on that. <laughs> like, they booked him to stand up to Lesnar. And yeah. it seemed like that was just kind of a one-off because last night he was just back to being the same he Slater. So it's a little weird. I mean, he does a great job with it. It's been entertaining. But contextually, relative to what happened on Monday, I thought it felt like kind of a step back. See, uh, you know what occurred to me last night with this? I mean, he's Slater right now in the new era. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is the best and perhaps only real storytelling that they're doing right now as far as telling a new story, um, you know, is laying the groundwork, doing something that's really new um, with uh, a wrestler and putting them uh, not only in a, in a storyline that's developing and trying to get you a little invested in the character. Of course, I mean, these bits are largely comedy bits, but I think the passive through line has been the storytelling and the development of Heath and making you, like you said, root for him. I mean, making him a, a face, but he's been given a, pro- a more and more prominent role on each show each week, you know, for the guy that was technically not drafted, that was an afterthought joke on the, uh, the uh, WWE network only version of the draft. He has now gone on to be in the main segment in, in it, granted a brief, but still a match against Brock Lesnar and a match last night against Randy Orton getting tagged in in the opening segment. It's only snowballed more and more uh, at this rate. He could be in the main event of SummerSlam, you know, I mean, with the way that they keep <laughs> making Heath Slater more the main focus of their of their shows. He's a talented guy. I've always thought they could do more with him. I mean, I remember when when Daniel Bryan won the Intercontinental title and of course, unfortunately, you know, with his injury, that all just kind of went to hell. Yeah, The idea was for him to be to smack down what Cena was to Raw at the time with the U.S. title. And one of the things he talked about was he felt like he could have matches with someone like Heath Slater, who's a really talented guy, but doesn't really get to show anything. So, I mean, it's mo- still mostly a comedy gimmick. He's probably not going to become any kind of relatively serious uh, character, and that's okay. But he clearly is a very, you know, a really good, smooth, professional in-ring wrestler. Mm-hmm. So I really would like to see what he could do with a better shot, but it just doesn't look like that'll happen. Like, I feel like they 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 should build to at least something like a one-off, like being the last guy in with Brian at the Elimination Chamber years ago. But yeah. heard this still go. Yeah, no, I, I don't think they're going to, you know, do anything super credible as far as giving him uh, some, you know, championship run. But I mean, it's it's kind of interesting, though, that he's he's I mean, he's gotten the most airtime. Um, I, I almost see him as, uh, you know, sort of a, a, a like. I almost want to say like a face version of The Miz, you know, at this point with where they're going with his character in the sense that he, he's credible and he could do the face thing. But at the same time, there's sort of this undercurrent, this wink and a nod that, you know, he's got the smart alky, likable quality about him where you know that he's sort of conning while 
being over as a face. Um, but I mean, I just, it's, a, it really hit me last night just with how something that, you know, is, is an afterthought storyline ha- has in some ways been a standout of these new era shows. And I don't know if that's intentional or not. Maybe that speaks to what's lacking in the story development of, uh, you know, the other stuff they're doing on the roster. But um, that being said, so the opening segment had Heath Slater, you know, uh, fruit basket delivered, uh, talking about, uh, you know, uh, kissing up to, to Shane and Daniel. So they announced the match with him and Orton for later in the show. But we went from that, uh, that promo in the pre-show to an in-ring promo. And uh, shows her off with Miz TV. We had Dean Ambrose and Dolph Ziggler building up their match at SummerSlam on Sunday. Um, you know, your, your quick thoughts about, about that buildup to, you know, trying to make us care about this match a little bit more. I think they did a solid enough job. Uh, now that we've had a couple weeks with, with him, I'm liking the new Ambrose persona a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, like I said, when he first kind of switched things up, it just kind of came out of nowhere. So that was my only real problem with it. It wasn't necessarily his performance. So now, I mean, I like the way he's kind of changed things around to be a little bit more of a, you know, a kind of a cocky, confident type of character. And... I think it's good, especially for this, you know, with the whole babyface versus babyface dynamic, you need the champion to be doing that. That said, Ziggler, Ziggler cannot hold up his end of a program on the mic, you know, a main event program. I mean, he's, I don't want to say he's hopeless, but between his efforts, you know, the last few weeks, especially and stand up comedy, it just seems like he's a guy that just does really the the talking part of performing just does not click with him. Uh, see, I think when he's talking and he comes when it comes across like a shooter, it's off the cuff. I think he comes across very well. But when he was doing that speech last night and kept getting more and more built up, uh, right before he got to that super kick, um, you know, it seemed to me like he was getting a little Matt Foley van down by the river, you know, in terms of like his heatedness and he was all flushed and he was going with it. And it was it was almost verging on comedy. It was he was almost overplaying it to the point that you couldn't take it seriously. And then he, you know, uh kicked uh uh, Dean Ambrose just you know like mid-sentence um, but yeah I don't know I mean I, I liked where they started with the storyline of Ziggler being you know sort of the the later years underdog um, and now yeah I, I just don't buy the intensity they're trying to put behind him I just had a little bit of an epiphany as far as when you were talking about how I mean like like most guys on the roster he is better off the cuff yeah what WWE has created is a bunch of Joe Rogans. Hear me out on this. Okay. Joe Rogan is probably, I don't know if you'd agree with me on this. I feel like as a stand-up, Joe Rogan is not very good. (laughs) I've not heard enough of his stand-up. I did really like him on news radio. I will say that. Okay. He's great on news radio. His podcast is great. He's great riffing with other comedians, but his stand-up is terrible. And when he was the one of the hosts and head writers on the Man Show, it was terrible. Yeah, he's not good at kind of. I mean, I guess it doesn't track entirely because the wrestlers aren't writing their own stuff. But <laughs> yeah, his his strength is a delivery and riffing, mm-hmm. and he's just not good at like and. A lot. What WWE has, I mean, they have guys who they have a lot of guys who are good at delivery and are good off the cuff, but 
they just uh, they can't do well with the scripted stuff because it's not really how they're trained. And I realized the I realized as I was saying it, maybe that maybe that my brilliant analogy wasn't enough of it, wasn't much of an epiphany and didn't track as much as I thought it would. But you get the general point I'm trying to make. No, definitely, definitely. And I think that's the thing. I mean, it's he, Adolf seemed really genuine when he did the first promo after uh, winning the shot to face Dean at SummerSlam. Like, that seemed very genuine to me. Um, and it made Dolph very likable. I mean, you know, I, I compared it to Rocky, where it was like, here's a guy, you know, later years getting this this opportunity, you know, almost seemingly by accident, and he's going to take the ball and run with it. Um, but this last night, it just didn't do it for me. And I thought that it was a little... Um, you know, this I don't necessarily like doing a longer um, spot or segment in the intro and then coming in and doing a long promo in the ring. You know, I felt like because when we're going down the recap here, I mean, we get to the first match of the night, um, you know, and it felt like it happened a bit into into a two hour show. Um, so we had a 12 man tag match. Uh, actually, what was it? 12, one, two, three, four, five, tag. six, seven, six, yeah. Three teams. Six six side. Yeah. It was American Alpha, Hypros versus the Vaudevillains, the Ascension and Brazongo. So, uh, you know, I love matches like this in the sense that we had all the tag teams together. This, again, seemed clearly like they're building momentum towards post-SummerSlam and announcing the SmackDown tag titles. Um, and it ended, and, I, and they've been doing these really well lately where they, they do the match build-up and then they just end it in a quick spot fest, you know, of just having everyone hit their finisher one after the next. I love the choreography of having all 12 men uh, interact, going in and out of the ring. I thought that was beautifully done. Um, I mean, what, what did you think of the match itself? This was fun. Um... I'm always a big proponent of doing, you know, more six-man tags on TV, especially with the top stars. And this was sort of the functional equivalent for the tag division because normally normally you don't really or can't really do something like that. But this, I think, got everyone involved. With so many guys, you're able to keep it moving fast. The, you know, the weaker teams like the Ascension don't have to do as much. Uh, this was a lot of fun, I thought. I thought this was a good way to kind of... This is the, I was going to say show everyone's place in the division, but I feel like that maybe kind of didn't... That, that wording doesn't sound quite right, but it, it established <laughs> everyone. It kind of established yeah. a little bit of a pecking order. Clearly established that American Alpha are getting those belts when they come out. You know, they're yeah. going to be the tag well, champions. Who even is there for them as he... Like, the Usos, of, yeah. I mean, the, the Usos have to turn. I mean, there's nothing because yeah. I mean, I mean then they'll be lopsided. Terrible. They'll be lopsided in terms of heels versus faces at that point. But none of the heel teams they have now really can be a credible, you know, uh, foil for them. I like Brizango or Love whatever Brizango. pronunciation we're going with. Yeah, but they haven't really given them enough to be more than a comedy team yet i mean they did get that well, win you know they got the that list. one match but they got that yeah they got that that really good pre-show match uh, that was really thought. good too like i think yeah. i think they can retool them enough to where they can be a solid you know heel team to go against american alpha but for now it probably should be the usos yeah yeah no i think brazongo you know and you know we're not 
on the WWE. Let's call him Febreze. I mean, let's just go for it. Trademarks be damned. Uh, you know, I mean, I think uh, Febreze <laughs> as a pairing is fantastic. And I know it's a comedy bit. I know it comes from, you know, uh, Tyler doing his, his you know, uh, WWE version of Zoolander and Fandango. Uh, I, I, do we know the character gen- genesis of Fandango? Was that like Vince being like, oh, dance instructors, they're amazing, man. I mean, women just go crazy for them. You know, uh, I mean, like, where was was Fandango? I know they mentioned Dancing with the Stars as an inspiration for him initially, but what what what's what was the idea from that character when it was originally introduced? Do you have any insight on that? Uh, my understanding is it was more Dancing with the Stars than anything else. If there was like a specific thing, yeah, um, it just he didn't really click that much most of the time because they didn't really give him much room to be a character it was just yeah. like oh here's the answer when he gets to be kind of like the either you know do this kind of sleazebag thing or now this where he just kind of fits in with uh with breezes i don't know would you call them dude bros or not exactly I yeah mean, there's, a little, like, there, there's a little dude bro element to it it's metrosexual not, dude bros yeah they're not fancy boys you know, it's not the idea that it's like they're not played as effeminate at all. I mean, they're they're definitely metrosexual. Um, you know, the guys that will try and hit on your girlfriend, you know, and give her a back massage kind of guys. You know, they're not they're not trying to like one of those like how about a back rub? Like they totally give that vibe. You know, um, uh, well, you know. you know what? Yeah, I would argue actually that maybe Fandango's best work is on. Um, total divas where he's still called fandango and he's talking in his normal voice <laughs> but he's still being a total creep yeah but it works though it totally works yes oh uh, yeah so i you know i have to say one thing i loved in the commentaries i love that jbl loves mocho raleigh and brazango like I, I just love that he makes it a point just to put them over every single time i mean he also loves Eva marie that i'm not so crazy about uh but you know uh-huh. jbl's uh commentary so i mean let's let's go from that so uh, of course uh you know the faces the usos american alpha and the hype rose won that 12-man tag um you know everyone did a very good job in it I, I think that match was really really fun uh if not you know not critical storytelling wise but just a fun match with great performances uh we went from that though uh, to uh, you know the the teased debut of Eva Marie versus a returning Naomi doing a new entrance and a new outfit uh, go really kicking up the the glow to the to the next level um, now obviously the match didn't happen because this time Eva Marie was stuck in traffic uh, and as you know we've talked about week from week I. I do feel now that like the Simpsons rate gag this there I want them to run this into the ground because it's only going to get funnier um if they just keep doing this and coming up with different excuses for her not to wrestle but what did you think of Naomi's new new entrance I mean she she seemed to get a decent pop and really was was going for it yeah I thought that was a really cool idea um it suddenly give, makes her more than just you know a warm body which otherwise she kind of would have been in this you know, SmackDown version of the division. And it really seemed like the crowd got into it fairly yeah. quickly, especially, especially you could tell that kids, especially the little girls in the audience got really into it too. Like you could hear, you know, it was one of those uh, high pitched. Yeah. You know, it was like higher pitched than even like a Cena pop. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. And she came so, out. So they had black, full black light going. She was fully uh, had a black light glowing outfit. She had wristbands uh, that she was passing out and tossing black out. Black light hair. Yeah. I mean, it was 
there was some spectacle to it, you know, before it was just the shoes that lit up. But I mean, this like, you know, I, I wonder if this was creative or her idea to take it to the next level. But yeah, I think she's going to get really over with kids, um, which is great. And I think this is, you know, firmly establishing her as the third face of, uh, of SmackDown women. Yeah, I mean, so she is, you know, she is a pretty solid in-ring performer. I mean, she's Definitely. not at the level of, you know, the veterans like Natalia or uh, Becky Lynch, but she's, you know, really good athlete, and she's able to hold her own in the ring. So, I mean, if she's able to kind of get, you know, a little bit of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know, a little, what, uh, not. I don't know. Help help me here. Momentum. I think she needs a, just a little momentum with the storyline. Yeah, that uh, works. Going forward with this. But I mean, certainly, you know, since the, I, th- I think this could, you know, this could surpass her run as a Funkadactyl is what I'm saying. You know. Oh, definitely. Of, you know, definitely. Out. I remember uh, when she started wrestling, when she was one of the Funkadactyls, for some reason, it seemed like she was only wrestling when they came to New York. Yeah. I was at back-to-back uh, shows at Barclays Center. I think it was the first time it was, uh, I think, the T- the TLC pay-per-view that kind of opened up the building as far as WWE was concerned. And then the, I think it was the Raw leading into WrestleMania after that. All of a sudden, it was like her first match after that. It was very, it was very weird. Um, <laughs> no, I, but it's, yeah, she's it got like skills. crowds are always willing to be into her. Like, I remember, like, the first time, that first time at TLC, like, people not realizing that she would be you know this athletic you know person you know when she all of a sudden she starts doing the high leapfrogs and stuff i think i think this can work now as far as eve marie i loved the spin they put on it this week where fake gary owens is doing his whole spiel and he's like eva marie will not be here tonight she's stuck in traffic he apologizes profusely yeah no, it was, it was cute. And, and of course, she just pop up later in the, the episode, which we'll get to. Um, so basically, so that segment turned into just the reintroduction of Naomi. That, that was the... Yes. I, you know, I'll mention this here so I don't yeah. forget until later. I think it's fairly clear that it being a six, six-woman six tag at the pay-per-view means that Eva Marie is not wrestling at the pay-per-view. <laughs> she'll be part of the six-woman tag. I mean, she'll just stand in the corner. She'll be an official member of the match, but... I think it's possible she doesn't even end up at the ring. I think there's absolutely no way she tags in. I mean, but this this right here is the example, though. I mean, do, okay, so do you think the six-woman tag, do you think that's going to get bumped to the pre-show, or do you think that's going to be the kickoff match for, for SummerSlam? Let's see. Um, has anything been officially designated to the pre-show yet? Uh, I, I don't believe so. This is just pure speculation. To me, this seems like um, the equivalent. Didn't they have the the exact same setup type uh, match at WrestleMania? Wasn't there a kickoff match that was a uh, yes? Um, tag? And even we have a long pre-show too, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they're doing a two-hour pre-show. So, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at that. I don't see any way based on the depth of the show. I mean, nothing against women in that match oh, no. but it sure it sure looks like that would be a match on the pre-show but but here's here's the the beacon here's the flare gun here's the warning you know the harbinger of things to come if smackdown does not get some belts for for the women and the tag titles and does not get some storytelling going on in each division this is it will never rise above this 
SmackDown's women division will never be more than pre-show if they do not mm, yeah. invest us in in these characters. And with hopefully, I'm really hoping with Becky Lynch, uh, they have a title, they have some storytelling with her involved, you know, and do something to really develop this because I think she's capable of a lot. Um, but right now, they're just they're just treading water, you know, which is fine. I get that they're establishing it, and I get that also it's going to be overshadowed by Sasha on Raw. I mean, so let Sasha have her moment, but you know, post uh, post SummerSlam, I'm really really hoping they get it together and just don't make the women's division and SmackDown an afterthought. Um, so uh, we came back from that and we finally had Randy Orton versus Heath Slater, uh, you know, somewhat abbreviated match, but I mean, what did you think uh, of that overall? And then the way that they're keeping uh, the, the Slater joke uh, and the, and the storyline running where he was offered a contract, but he was so delirious that he talked his way out of it once again. I didn't like how that ended. If just because, it seemed a little weird for Shane and Brian as baby faces to do that at that point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like they're going with, well, you technically won by disqualification. So, I mean, you're getting the contract. And then because he has a concussion and thinks that Brian <laughs> is McFoley and Shane is Stephanie. They never they say concussion. I don't think they would go that far. Well, no, they never said the word concussion. <laughs> That's but just exhibiting in the lawsuit, a, you know? Heath he Slater had a head injury that happened to make him think that the people yes. in front of him were not the people they were. That they, just that that one. Not a concussion, just an unspecified... Yeah. Uh, an unspecified injury. Former wrestlers were not admitting any wrongdoing or saying that, you know, there's any... Uh, and this was a comedy bit. We're not admitting that anything that happens in a ring could cause you to have poor judgment or, you know, confusing thoughts. You're saying them <laughs> with Brian, no less. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I so didn't that, realize that. I, yeah. I didn't I just I thought it was weird as baby faces. Like it's not like he he was really actively doing anything as a heel. So I thought that was just a little weird. I mean, I get what they were trying to do comedy-wise, but yeah. it seemed a little out of character for the Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan yeah. character. Ne- next week Slater gets hit on the head hard and then gets amnesia. And then, you know, he gets a match later, gets hit on the head again and gets his memory back, you know? Just, uh, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a little ch- old-time comedy tropey. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I th- but I like how they did it where Daniel was good-natured about being confused with McFoley and uh, uh, you know, then Shane though was like, "No, if you're confusing me with Stephanie, that's that's a bridge too far." Yes, that that was clever. Yeah, that I did like. So once again, Heath Slater, uh, hottest free agent in the business. Um, we came back from that, and we had Eric Rowan versus Dean Ambrose. Um, you know, I thought that uh, the, I thought the match was was fine, but I thought the most interesting thing was after how they they set up. Uh, you know the. Uh, uh, dissolution of the Wyatt family it seemed like post SummerSlam with this idea that uh that Bray was uh disappointed in Eric you know and, and where, what did you think of the match itself and where do you, what do you think about where the storyline could go from here uh match was fine you know Rowan has improved enough to where that is a truthful statement uh I mean it didn't wasn't much though and then as far as the storyline why you got to do that <laughs> what, what what does Eric Rowan have without the Wyatt family? I don't know. I, I mean, but I mean, look, I could, could have said the same thing about Braun Strowman a month ago. Uh, you know, I mean, they're both big guys who are lacking in, I don't want to say charisma because they have it, but they just don't have it as it's been scripted 
uh, by WWE creative. They're, no, Rowan they're, has a Rowan has a certain charisma to him. I don't think Strowman does. Um, yeah, I don't know if it has to do with like two two wrestlers in search of a gimmick. You know, that's, that's yeah. And then you know, Luke Harper's still out. Although I think he's coming back soon, right? I think he was earmarked to come back in September, right? Uh, yeah, I think it's set for fairly soon. So I don't know why you're doing this now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess I'm sure they have a plan, but, you know, as we talked about, I think, was it last week or the week before? I mean, why it should be a baby face in terms of the character having run its course, but he also needs to be healed for the sake of SmackDown's depth. But I don't know how this really plays into either of those. Yeah. No, and that's the thing. Uh, but one thing I did like, and you know, they they went back from commercial and they they purposefully cut to this, um, where they had Bray and uh, Randy Orton staring each other down at the what was it, it was the start of the match at the entrance when Orton was leaving and then Bray uh, entering. And you know, I saw uh, the two of them wrestled uh, both uh, house shows I went to a week or two ago. I mean, I really like that match and pairing. Do you think that that's a, a logical storyline thing to have Bray and have Randy post his match with Brock go into a little storyline with Bray? logical i guess is it something that i want to see dear god no um they have a really bad habit of putting the guys who feel stale against each other (laughs) no seriously orton and sheamus was the big offender for a long time i mean orton's freshened up a little bit right now but why it is the last guy he should be feuding with he he should be feuding with styles when styles is done with cena I mean, I don't see any option other than that. Yeah, actually, I think that would be an interesting pairing, especially if they want to give Cena a little break or, or divert him into some other uh, sort of storyline. Um, so, yeah, so that was teased. We had that match, and then we came back from that. Uh, but first, hey, let me just uh, take a moment and remind everyone, don't forget to try out DDP Yoga, specifically their awesome Max Pack used by the likes of Chris Jericho, AJ Styles, John Cena, and tons of other WWE stars who love using DDP Yoga. And hey, you can get a special offer with three months of the app for free at ddpyoga.com slash wrestlinginc. Also, Resurrection of Jake the Snake, now available on iTunes, Google Play, PlayStation, Amazon, and Vudu. So make sure to check that out. And tweet DDP Yoga. Let them know that we sent you. And, of course, the movie is also on DVD, Blu-ray, Netflix. You can check it out wherever finer documentaries are available. Um, you know, also, since Raj isn't here yet, his call is running late. Or, pardon me, uh, to, to borrow a page from SmackDown, Raj is stuck in traffic. Uh, so he will not be joining us quite yet. He is going to try and make it before the end of the show. But I want to remind everyone to also check out Trendy Butler, which is a fantastic clothing service that does all the work for you. You select a style profile, and Trendy Butler has a stylist hand-picked clothes that cater to you. Even better, for only $65, you get over $150 in designer clothes. Make sure you use the code WRESTLING10 at signup, and you'll get $10 off. You can find out more about them at twitter.com slash trendybutler or trendybutler.com. And we want to thank both them and DDP Yoga for sponsoring the show. So uh, coming back from Dean Ambrose versus Eric Rowan, we had Carmella and Becky Lynch versus Alexa Bliss and Natalia. Uh, yeah, what, what did you think of this match, David? This was fun. Um, at the very least, the you know the way these you know these four kind of pair off. I think it's 
kind of made for a, what's the what am I I don't know sorry I lost my train of thought for a second um I mean it they with with Becky and Natalia being kind of the, the veterans and carrying things and Alexa being you know fairly physically impressive in terms of what she can do you know as a gymnast and stuff I think that kind of works out well for a solid match um I'm just still I'm still not a fan of Carmella though I just don't think she translates well to the main roster being separated from Enzo and Cass mm-hmm I think they need to do something. I noticed they they did not televise her intro this week. So I, I take that as acknowledgement that SmackDown yeah. Creative recognizes it needs work. Um, I thought the match was good. You know, again, uh, I had a preview of this exact match at the house shows I was at. Uh, and I thought I really enjoyed it then. I thought this was really good. And I like that they did the extended distraction by having Eva Marie show up mid-match, uh, Naomi come out and, you know, run through the ring, uh, a little bit of a Keystone Cops style comedy uh, going on there. Uh, but then very quickly getting it back on track. I thought that was smooth how they did that extended distraction, run in, boom, right back to the match. And the baby face went, still winning. Yeah, exactly. Not a distraction that, that caused a heel win. Um, and after this, it was announced, the six-woman tag. Uh, so yeah, we've got our f- clearly defined faces and heels. Um, and we had both uh, Naomi and Becky Lynch on Talking Smack after, uh, where Natalia showed up. Um, and so you haven't been watching Talking Smack yet at all on the network? Not really. I mean, I just I, I can't bring myself to watch the pre or the post shows. I, I, my understanding is it's better than the other pre and post shows have been. You know what it reminded me of? And I don't watch this, but I've seen enough of it to know what their mm-hmm. what their inspiration was. Um, uh, it reminded me a little of Andy Cohn's show on Bravo um, of just how they get they because it's very loose conversations with, you know, it doesn't feel like it's as tightly scripted. It feels like people are given a little wiggle room, um, you know, much like our podcast last night, the conversation devolved and digressed into different subjects with Daniel Bryan, John Cena and Renee Young talking about the space time continuum and time travel. And they were making references to all sorts of other TV shows. Like it just, it, it goes off the rails a little bit. And I like that. I like that. It's, it feels like it's just people hanging out a little after SmackDown in the backstage area. And, you know, Every week, I, I immediately turn that on after SmackDown. I haven't felt like, oh, I can skip that. There hasn't been a week one yet, you know? That's good. Did any of the co-hosts accidentally jump over the host's opening for the show? No, no. It was... Uh, so they're still know. better than us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we try, right? Uh, well, but, no, uh, wait. Was it on directly yeah. after SmackDown? I thought Holy Foley was going to be on right after. No, that was on after Raw on Monday. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. My brain is just not working at the moment yeah hey you know i forget about bills i need to pay but i can remember the schedule of uh, programming on the wwe network um speaking of which after smack talking smack last night um they had the women's evolution 24 debut which i did not watch yet but i'm really looking forward to the checking that out tonight talking about how the divas division came became uh the women's division and uh, just you know this massive growth we've seen in that area over the last couple of years yeah i am looking forward to that i have not watched that yet but i, I... As soon as I saw the promo, I was definitely curious to see that. I have to say, the WWE Network, the, it's something that I subscribed to on a lark because I wanted to watch the Tough Enough after show, um, you know, a year ago. And, all, yeah, I was really into the last season of Tough Enough. I, even I don't know why. Uh, but I, it was one of those things that for the first, like, six months, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll cancel it. But there's always been something more and more and more and more and more where I feel like, you know, I'm getting more value out of that than I am out of Netflix. Interesting. 
Yeah. I mean, I really like their programming. I think they do, they do some good stuff. I'm not saying, and, and some of the stuff I'm not saying I like because it's necessarily great, but I think it's interesting. I like this, the idea that they're just sort of throwing a lot of stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks, you know? Um, so uh, coming back, we got one more match uh, to talk about, but quickly, uh, they, so they had a, a segment backstage again with just Baron Corbin beating up Callisto with no setup whatsoever like there's no motivation for this storyline just like oh baron corbin's kind of a dick like like he's just a bully and it's just like here we go to a mid 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 bullying of callisto um this is the second week in a row that they've done this i mean do you think this is uh the right way for them to tease anything in this in this regard you know of this storyline continuing I don't like it and I don't even know why it just feels strange. Like it just, there's something weirdly uncomfortable about it and not even the way it's supposed to be uncomfortable. (laughs) Like I I just can't put my finger on it. I just, it doesn't, it just doesn't click to me. It's just so random and so separate from everything else. And it's not led to any kind of wrestling match. It's just very, very peculiar. Well, and it doesn't fit the tone of the rest of the show. I mean, no. almost this idea that, look, we have a lot of rivalries on SmackDown. And we have a lot of people that don't like other people. We, you know, we have people that, I mean, they say mean things to one another. But this just seemed like out and out, like just full on, you know, like like it, it was getting to that to that line of, um, I don't want to say like brutal hazing. I'm not one of those guys that's really sensitive towards this. But I'm just saying in tonal contrast to the rest of the way we see the heels treat their opponents on SmackDown, this felt like it was that extra notch. It felt a little too excessive, you know, with no yes. character, just showing that Corbin's really this brutal guy. I mean, in a sense, it's it's making him different from everyone else, and that's sure. good. And he he's been missing something. He was called up to the main roster too early for sure, but yeah. I don't know if this is what he needs um i i give them points for trying i guess to try to give him that kind of like killer instinct as a heel yeah no i mean it was uh i don't know just something about it to me it's it's if that's his character that's just kind of like well i mean just being a jerk you know or i mean i'm trying not to swear here people so it's like there's a lot more excessive language i want to use with this but like just being really mean um in a way that's not particularly entertaining or funny or clever or interesting like mean itself to me doesn't make a heel uh, you know worth watching i guess is what i'm saying um but uh, oh, oh, coming back, we had just, you know, the, the last uh, match of the night, which was Alberto Del Rio versus John Cena with AJ Styles on commentary. Really, uh, you know, again, this was a storyline match building up to what we're going to see at SummerSlam. I mean, what did you think of the match itself and how they were trying to tie in Alberto, you know, injuring Cena back last fall? I zone out during every Del Rio match now. Because <laughs> he clearly does not care and... He just hasn't clicked since he came back. I mean, not, not all of that's his fault. He's yeah. been booked strangely. Um, but he looks like he's a guy who's just collecting a very, very large paycheck. Hey, nothing wrong so, with that. No, I mean, I guess not. But it's... <laughs> I just... I tune out during everything he does. I mean, even you know, even against Cena, and I really... I, I always enjoy Cena's TV matches. I just... I just can't engage when he's on tv 
it, it could be, I think Cena has been doing some great, um, some great work, you know, as far as his mic work, I really like that promo we did with AJ a few weeks back. Um, so to me, it was like just having Cena in this match that I, I mean, Oh, is he going to be injured and not make SummerSlam? I mean, um, I don't think even the markiest of Mark of marks, uh, was like, Oh my God, Cena could really get hurt. Um, you know, I mean, it just, it, 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 there was no actual suspense. Um, uh, but you know, it was a fine match to finish it off. AJ ran in afterwards. Um, it's, it all seemed like sort of a buildup towards that and just hyping again, what's going to happen at SummerSlam. So, um, we'll get into our predictions for that coming up here a bit. We're going to see if Raj is going to make it, but if he finishes up this call in time, but, uh, talk to me a little bit. You had a tweet that went out, uh, you know, in other <laughs> WWE news about the WWE and FCC complaints. Yeah, I had filed this a few weeks ago. I had actually filed to just try to get as many, like, actually, I didn't do one for TNA, and I probably should. Just, like, wrestling-related FTC complaints, a Freedom of Information Act request. And it ended up turning out, I didn't realize this, that they um, they don't keep anything past three years if uh, if there's no action taken. So, in other words, for the vast majority, there's nothing kept past three years. That said, the first page, um, it was truly special. I mean, all of these are. I just haven't tweeted them yet. But the first one, which then exploded my Twitter. Um, should I read this or should you? Uh, no, go for it. Um, where was? Let me see. Where does it say this? This this lady or gentleman is from? Because the name is redacted. That's that's the one thing they do take out. Although they actually screwed it up on one of them. Uh, this this person is from Waverly, New York. This was from November 2014, uh, the angle where Rusev uh, attacked some kind of armed forces serviceman. I forget exactly. Uh, yeah, well, I'm looking at it now. Uh, here, do you, do you want me to read it? I got, I got it queued up. The, the, I'll read the exact complaint if you like. I, I'll, I mean, I'll do it. Okay, do it. okay. Unless you really, really want. I, I think it's really funny. So you go for it, man. Okay. WWE is refusing to change up their storyline on Resiv and Big Show. On 10-20, on Monday Night Raw Live, Resiv was about to rip down the American flag on national TV. WWE always tapes the show, so there is your evidence. But for three months, Resiv and his manger badmouths America. Just attempting to rip down the flag is an act of terrorism, and it is illegal. This needs to be dealt with. WWE will not do a thing to change their story lineup. Also, Resva assaulted a member of the armed forces on national TV live. WWE needs to be removed from the airtime of all networks until they can change their storyline according to the laws. <laughs> uh as of right now uh this has 568 retweets and 761 likes wow and it's it's crazy you know so we, we were talking about this monday and i got a little uh crap from this from uh some wrestling Inc. listeners i you know i think the anti-american angle you know i again now we would call it throwback a few years ago. We might've called it lazy, you know, in terms of just a way to get some, some cheap, easy heat for the heels, but this complaint shows that it's working. So, you know, what do I know? Cause clearly if this can outrage somebody so much that they're going to complain to the FCC about, you know, the anti-American angle. Okay. Okay. WDB creative Vince McMahon, you win. It's lazy. But, sure, but it works. But, 
This is someone who knows it's a storyline. This is not someone who thinks it's a real competition. Oh, yeah. No, still. Still. I mean, but that's the thing. It's like, I don't know, man. It's like, look, I love America. But if someone comes up to you and is just like, America sucks, like, is your response going to be like, boo, USA, USA? I would be like, well, we're not perfect, sure, but we're probably the best country out there. But let's let's talk about your grievances. You know, it's kind of like, to me, it's you're not going to just make me immediately be like, you know, I'm not just going to replace your platitude negative with a platitude positive. And it seems like audiences do that all the time. You could be like, boo, America sucks. And then USA, USA. You know, it's just very simple black and white. That, that's yes. my issue with it. Honestly, my one hope with this is that Rusev ends up seeing this and tweeting about it. Yeah. Oh, d- dude, I would keep these going. I think this, there's going to be some more comedy gold in these uh, FCC complaints. Yeah, there are like 20 more. I don't that I have. I don't I, I don't think there are any more about Rusev. Is there one in there? Well, not, like... not Rusev. Excuse me. Um, Resev. Resev. Or Resva. <laughs> both. Both. Both work as names. Uh, yeah, you're going to get in the complaints, and there's going to be in there, like, the WWE needs to push Zack Ryder. Like, someone complained to the FCC about that. I don't know why. They just really thought it was important to let them know, you know. I'm trying to remember if there's – because I've skimmed through them. There, there might have been one like that. There's one guy who complains <laughs> really? twice about nipple slips and uh, says he has the evidence on his DVR. Yeah, yeah. There's probably a complaint in there where it's like, uh, I'm complaining about nip- nipple slips, sir. Did you see a nipple slip? No, I'd like to see more of them. I'm complaining there weren't enough. Uh, you know, I've just, I can imagine if a WWE fan complains to the FCC, there's got to be a multitude of just inane complaints in there. You know, so yeah, keep those coming. David, uh, mention your Twitter uh, for everyone. And it is in the show notes if, you know, you don't follow yes. David on Twitter already. This is going to be comedy gold, people. You need to need to follow David and check these out. Yes, it's at David Bix. So that's at David Boy. I am. X is an X-ray, and hey, Raj is here. I guess Raj I came. I guess I came in too late, huh? <laughs> no, we did. We didn't do SummerSlam yet. So. Oh, oh, yeah, great. I'm saving that for you, buddy. Oh. Um, so yeah, so uh, Raj, you want to quickly just give people a heads up of the call you were just on? Uh, yeah, so it was the Triple H uh, media conference call. By the way, does this the audio sound like it's coming from my mic? Uh, it might be coming from your computer. I can't quite tell. Um, okay, so I'll, I'll fix that in a second, but uh, not much of note, um, you know, he, uh, he talked, a, yeah, nothing, nothing really newsworthy, where the, uh, talked a little bit about, uh, you know, the cruiserweight division, NXT TakeOver, being excited about it, um, but uh, yeah, nothing, nothing really newsworthy, worthy. Cool. So uh, let's uh, get into our SummerSlam predictions and go down the title of what's been announced so far. Um, I guess, you know, we'll do it sort of bottom to top, as it were, and uh, save uh, the best for last. But uh, Shizaro versus Sheamus in the first of their best of seven series. Uh, Raj, I know you were very hyped about this the other night on our Monday Night Raw podcast. Yeah, well, you would think with the... And now does it sound like it's coming from my mic or still? I heard the tap. So, okay. I think you're okay. Okay, perfect. Um, so you would think that with uh, you know Sheamus losing the first two, uh, that that they would need to give Shea, you know uh, Sheamus a win here. So uh, I'm going to go with Sheamus winning this one. Um, it should be a good match, and I and you know with Cesaro, he's always going to you know bust his ass on a pay per view. So it should be a good match. Ultimately, doesn't matter. You know when you do a best of seven, it just seems pointless unless. Uh, you know, it's something that the fans want, you know, it's something that people can get excited for, or if there is a, um, 
some sort of prize at the end. Like the the winner of the series gets you know a title shot or something. To but you know it, it's just a way to book these two guys uh, in the same match over and over without knowing what to do with them after. David, your prediction? Uh, yeah, Seamus, for the same reasons. And, you know, these guys always work well together, so I am I'm looking forward to the best of seven, but they've already been working to, together a few weeks in a row, so it feels weird to kind of go... Like, you know what I mean? It's just... It feels like it could be too much, at least... I feel like you can have too much Sheamus. You can't have too much Cesaro. You can have too much Sheamus. But these two always have good matches. So I am I am looking forward to this one. Um, yeah, I mean, it kind of it kind of has to be Sheamus to start off here, I, w- I would think. Yeah, to make it uh, interesting. Do you think maybe they'll announce some kind of, like, prize, goal, whatever, prize. during the series? Like, it, it is weird that there's just nothing, that it's just there. It's just for bragging rights. I, I just don't. I think they should because you know they're having their own branded pay-per-views. How many uh, headliners do you have that could compete yes. for the world title? So I think you could easily put Cesaro in that mix. Uh, Sheamus, not so much, unless you have a, a strong co-main event, and it would be one of those cases where the title match is kind of the secondary match. But I easily think if Seth Rollins were to you know win the Universal Championship at SummerSlam or down the road. Um, that you have the the stakes be a, a title shot and and you do it at one of the pay-per-views with Cesaro. I think Cesaro yeah. and Seth Rollins would be a, a great pay-per-view main event. Yeah, I I don't know if the, if the casual fans would pop as big for that, but I think you know us internet wrestling nerds would certainly like to see that. Um, but you and, know, what are and, the and real quick chances are it's going to be a lot of the you know internet wrestling nerds that are getting the raw pay-per-views. You know, I, I don't yeah. see a lot of casual interest for the for the separate branded pay-per-views, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. So what what are Sheamus and Cesaro competing for to stay relevant? You know, winner stays relevant uh, in, in the new era. <laughs> oh, uh, I know. Yeah. It could be the European title. Oh yeah, that's true. That that would actually be fitting. Um, although I, I think we've run the risk, you know, of too, too many titles, uh, and I could see them going that route. Uh, but uh, you know, I think the two of them have one amazing match in them together. Um, they've got seven okay matches, though. I mean, I think all these seven watchable matches, enjoyable matches. But I think they got one amazing one. Hopefully, it's this Sunday at SummerSlam. Uh, moving on to uh, what else we got? Enzo Amore and Big Cass versus Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho. Um, you know, this, in my opinion, might not be the most entertaining in-ring match, but I certainly think everything else around it is going to be A+. Uh, David, your uh, your prediction on who's going to win? It kind of has to be Enzo and Cass in Brooklyn. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't in Brooklyn, I would say that Jericho and Owens probably need the shot in the arm. But I can't see them being dumb enough to have Enzo and Cass lose at their first. Uh, is it their first telev? Have they done a Raw or SmackDown in New York since they've been on the main roster? Is this like is this their first? I'm trying to remember. Is this their first televised uh, New York appearance since being on the main roster, or just their first pay per view? Who's gonna remember that? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I, I don't I, think, I think so. With the tour schedule, I don't think they've been to New York since. WrestleMania. Yeah, no, they're, in fact, their last New York stop was right before WrestleMania. Um, right, so, so yeah, they have to win. Um, yeah. Although, granted, I want to point out, the, you know, WWE, the same network that decided to put the titles on the Vaude Villains at TakeOver Brooklyn, you know, with Enzo and Cass, you know, <laughs> demoted to, to the pre-show taping. Uh, so, but, so I could see it going either way, but Raj, your thoughts? Yeah, I think just, just from a booking perspective, you had, you had Jericho and, and, 
and Kevin Owens laying them out on Raw, usually that means that. Yeah. Uh, but it, you know, and and not only that, but it makes more sense for Enzo and Cass. They they got a ton of steam. Uh, it, it doesn't make sense to beat them at this point on a big show. So have them get over, uh, go over. You could have Jericho and Owens beat them up afterwards. Uh, you know, and and keep the feud going because there's just, you know. Either I mean you could go a couple separate ways. I'd like them to keep Jericho and Owens together for a little bit since they oh, formed yeah. them. But you know you could have the club win, and uh, I, I would guess that they'd still stick with the New Day, but they could always go with Enzo and Cass, or at least down the road. No, definitely. Um, so we talked about it, uh, and it just got added last night. The six woman tag match, uh, SmackDown. Um, we're going to have uh, Naomi, Becky, and Carmella facing Natalia, Eva Marie, and Alexa Bliss. Um, this, uh, you know, we were talking about this earlier, Raj. I, I predict this is going to get added to the pre-show, unfortunately. Um, but, I mean, d- do you think that there's anything worth tuning in uh, for, for this match specifically? Or, does, or do you agree, I, David and I talked about earlier, it feels like they're really running in place with SmackDown women right now. I think this is probably going to be built to infuriate, infuriate the uh, the IWC. I, I I bet you what they'll end up doing is have Eva Marie not wrestle at all during the match, and then you know someone takes somebody out, and Eva Marie takes the you know gets the pin to to win the match for her team. So that's my prediction. Uh, at the most, you know, at the most, it'll it'll be funny, but uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of angry fans. Yeah, and even Marie can pin Becky Lynch, and then uh, yeah. Vince McMahon will step out with two middle fingers right in the air to the camera, <laughs> and then just turn and walk back, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, I said earlier when we were talking about SmackDown, I don't see even Marie stepping in the ring. I'm just curious how they handle it. Like, Save what, it for Mania. You know, let's just build up at this point. Let's just go all the way. I was thinking, like, broken nail when she tries to make a tag or something like that. Something. Yeah. I, th- I, I, I think that I, 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 I'm, I'm betting you she gets the pin. Yeah. <laughs> okay, oh, we'll, that, we'll that, see. that could work, that she doesn't do anything and then tags herself in. Exactly, yeah. She, she doesn't yeah. do anything in the match, but, you know, uh, she, she tags in at the end and gets the win. Okay, so, uh, David, what about New Day versus Gals and Anderson? Do you think uh, they're going to change the belts on the tag teams? It feels like time. Yeah, um, I agree. It feels like time, but uh, I, I have a feeling that they'll probably go with Big E coming in and uh, you know making this the return and 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 win them the match, and then the club will win, you know, at the the next pay per view. Yeah, I mean, David, do you think that Gals and Anderson need the belts at this point? I mean, in NXT, I think you know uh, the revival needs the belts because. They're good in the ring, but there's no real character there that people are latching onto. I think Gallows and Anderson are so over his heels at this point. I don't think you necessarily have to put the belts on them unless you want to change them to another face. Sure. Um, they they have gotten you know over well enough that it's not it's not like they need it, but I think they could also make the belts more valuable. Like it doesn't it doesn't feel like New Day, even though they've had the belts for a long time. I don't feel like they've added value to the belts that much. Yeah. It, it, they, it's, they're an overact that happens to have belts, as opposed to an overact who have made their belts more over. Uh, I think Gallows and Anderson as heels were being chased, though. I think they're perfect for that role. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I fully agree with that, but yeah, to an extent, yeah. Uh, New New Day, they haven't had that great rivalry that I think really helps make a title. Um. You know, and and part of that is just the formulaic booking that they always do. Uh, 
but I think when New Day loses the title, it's going to lo- it's going to mean something, and uh, you know, it's, as opposed to tag team title changes in the past. Um, so um, I do think that you know, if the club wins, it'll it'll mean something. Well, I think with New Day, they're they're almost so protected at this point in terms of how they their only losses have been in non-title matches that were weirdly stipulated as such. I think they're in danger of of uh, getting that sort of John Cena angle of of being like, well, of course they're not going to lose, or they're going to find some way. I think they're almost in danger of protecting them too much. So maybe a loss here will, uh, you know, give some more credibility to their matches going forward. But uh, uh, Rusev versus Roman Reigns for the U.S. Championship. I know we talked about this extensively on our Monday Night Raw recap with Matt Morgan. But, David, what are your thoughts on this? I'm not sure what to think just coming out of the Raw match. Uh, especially that it was they did such a long match, I think, is what makes it so strange. It's not, it's not just that they had the match, although I don't get why you would do that on the... I was going to call it the go-home show, but it really didn't feel like one. Um, I, w- I would think, norm- knowing the normal booking patterns, that Rusev or Resev or uh, whichever name we're going with after the FCC complaint uh, would win, but I-, I have this feeling that they feel like they've gotten Reigns back over and may want to give him the title here. Like, he, they, they've turned things around a bit. You know, he's not over at the level of a main eventer. But this feud has rehabbed him a good bit. So I think this is a fairly tough call. This might actually be the toughest call in the whole show. Raj, your thoughts? I think it's a... I, I, I disagree with David. I think it's an easy call. I think... Uh, this this feud is doing uh, wonders for Roman Reigns as as a babyface. Uh, I I think you know it, they're getting the reactions they want out of him. Uh, Reigns beat Rusev clean. Uh, it makes sense, even if you didn't beat him clean. You want to keep if you want to keep this feud going. Uh, you don't want Rusev to lose the first time out when Roman you know is kind of portrayed as the guy that you know, you know has something to achieve. So you have Rusev win, you keep the feud going, have Roman, you know, either get the title down the road or, you know, come out on top of the feud without winning the title so they can move him up to the main event scene. So, yeah. uh, Reigns. Reigns. I mean, uh, sorry, sorry, sir, Rusev. Rusev. Uh, yeah, I think it could go either way. I think Rusev winning, like, to your point, Raj, would be more interesting, but it seems like with Reigns, um, I don't know. If, if there's some creative shortcut they can take with him, um, you know, pre-suspension it seemed like, he was he was uh when the he got the benefit of the doubt you know if it could go either way um the the raw match doesn't make any sense though if 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 reigns were to win yeah to, to beat rusev clean in a long match so well we all know consistency is the wwe's strong suit so uh, we will we should we should put something on the line with these predictions maybe 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 <laughs> next <laughs> yeah yeah uh huh yeah think think about that think about stakes uh uh john cena versus aj styles I'm going to go with AJ Styles. I think uh, Cena's going to be taking time off soon for American Grid. Uh, I think they, they want, you know, after Ambrose, I think it's Styles that, uh, i, I got to double check, they changed the post-SummerSlam feeds. I know it's going to be Orton and Wyatt, and I believe it's AJ Styles and uh, and Dean Ambrose. So it makes yep. sense for Styles to get the, the win here. And, uh, and, yeah, the fact that Cena laid him out on SmackDown, that's usually the, the booking 
hint of who's going to win, and and that would be Styles. A little out of character move from Cena uh, taking out Styles uh, up on the the announce table, like you know, post match. I mean, that was, that was a little out of character for Cena, I thought. Yeah, it, it it did seem a little a, a a little out of place, but I think they they wanted Cena to be standing over Styles strong to you know to have Styles get the win. If Styles loses, I mean they've just kind of buried the guy then, because he yeah. you know he lost the number one contender match. He took the fall in that. Lost you know got pinned by Cena last month. So, uh, you know it it makes sense for him to go over here. David, your prediction. Styles, you know, for the reasons already mentioned, plus he hasn't had a pay-per-view win in the feud yet. Well, well yeah. he did with Cena. Well, that was the one with the club. Oh, wait, he uh, did? Yeah, wait, he, no, he, I thought he, Cena ended up... Wait, didn't Cena win the first match? No, no, Cena won the tag match. Uh, AJ won the... Only, they only had one singles match on pay-per-view. And why, do I, why did I think that Cena won it? No, Cena... Cena won when it was Cena and Enzo and Cass against uh, the club, and Cena pinned AJ. That was at Battleground last month. Okay, I'm just yeah, totally well, remembering that. Well, AJ won. That was because the club essentially came in and. Set. Yeah, it was that. It was that weak finish where the club just came in, interfered, and Styles won. Yeah, so maybe, yeah, maybe Styles gets a clean win this time. Although, as we pointed out earlier, you know, the club will be in the building. It's not like these pay-per-views are two separate locations. Um, so who knows? And they haven't been fully strict with keeping the brand separate. But, yeah. you know, uh, I wouldn't do that. Uh, I think you've already uh, weakened the, the brand split enough. Uh, I wouldn't uh, have Gallows and Anderson interfere in this one. Yeah. Oh, so, I, I know what I was thinking. I was thinking because of the storyline of the match was... Um, Styles kind of dominating but not being able to win, and then Cena took was kind of taking over at the end. So that's what I, I just I just remembered the actual finish wrong. I was remembering the story of the match. Right. Uh, so uh, Sasha Banks versus Charlotte. Um, I feel like we we've talked about this uh, a couple times. Uh, Dana Brooks banned from ringside, but David, uh, do you think uh, Sasha retains? I think so. I mean, she was supposed to win the title here in the first place until they decided to kind of hot shot a big you know match and finish onto. You know, the first post-draft Raw. Uh, curious to see what they do as far as the match here, since apparently they also used their whole match layout that they had planned for SummerSlam 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I think this sh- should be a great match. Could end up being the show stealer. I think Sasha will retain. I'm a little worried about the the stipulation with Dana Brooke and the finish because... Just I feel like with the band from ringside, and they did the thing with Rick a few months ago, and it, like, it, I just a little paranoid that they're gonna try to do something similar, where someone comes out but doesn't go all the way to ringside or something stupid like that, or a distraction on the screen. So I think Sasha will win, but I have I have some concerns. Yeah, I think I think Sasha will win. Uh, you know, basically since she's been champ, she's been laid out every week or, or beaten. You know, she got pinned by Charlotte uh, in that tag match, uh, and then you know last week she was. I mean, this past Monday on Raw, she was you know putting that figure four. So just by the booking, I would tell you that Sasha gets her revenge. But um, just from a, a logical standpoint, I think beating her right now just kills any steam that she has, and, and she can you know. Uh, it, it, she's a their top women woman babyface. It doesn't make sense to beat her so quickly. So, mm-hmm. I think she she wins here, but uh, this feud will continue. Yeah, I, I think uh, Sasha wins, but it's it, it's tough. If they would have if they would have done the title switch here, I feel like it could have stolen the show and been the match of the night. Um, but 
you know, now they got a high bar that they have to clear. I think uh, after Sasha winning before, um, I, I think this will be good, but I feel like, you know, they kind of took the wind out of the sails for what it could have been. Um, Dean Ambrose versus Dolph Ziggler for the WWE Classic Championship. Um, Raj, prediction? Uh, you, I think you got to go with Ambrose. Um I, th- I think Ziggler is just, you know, they're they're rehabbing him. He's definitely a, a more credible now than he was a month ago, and they haven't beaten him since he became the top contender, which you know, a lot of times they'll do. It makes no sense, but uh, you know, so he he's getting there. But the plan right now um, is for him to feud with the Miz uh, after SummerSlam for the Intercontinental Title for Ziggler, um, and and even without that, it doesn't make sense for Ambrose to to lose. Uh, Ambrose is much bigger star, bigger drawing card. Um, and so, and uh, yeah, so I, I think Ambrose uh, wins here and goes on to feud with AJ Styles. David? Yeah, it's Ambrose. Um, they're just not putting the title on Ziggler. There's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, they, yeah, they just don't see him that way being one of them, but it's just not going to happen. I mean, and Ambrose has some good momentum anyway. I'm curious as to far as how to, the match itself will come out. I'm a, for some reason, I'm a little worried that for some reason these two might clash a little bit and, and might not have the type of chemistry you'd hope. Uh, but I think it'll be no less than at least a pretty solid match, and I do think Ambrose will win. I don't see any other finish. Yeah, if Ziggler it, wins, they, they are fully conceding that this is the secondary title in the WWE Universal yeah, Bell. Yeah, is yeah. the guy that's going to be doing TV and Make-A-Wish stuff. You know, and this is the new Intercontinental Championship. Uh, yeah, and and to to David's point, I agree uh, about their styles. Uh, I don't know how how well they'll mesh together, but you know, I thought that with the promos too, and I think their promos have been really good. I thought SmackDowns was probably their weakest, but it was still good. And uh, I, I they they kind of have a yin and yang thing, you know, where they're kind of opposites in a lot of way, and I think that's been working to their favor. So, but Ambrose, it makes all the sense in the world. Speaking of the IC title, we skipped over that earlier. Uh, the Miz versus Apollo Cruz. Do you uh, think they're going to put the belt on Apollo now, Frosh? Um, I I don't see it. You know, yeah. uh, I, th- I think the Miz. I mean, Apollo. They've hardly even had him on TV to build his feud. You know, so I don't think they have much uh, faith in them carrying uh, the Intercontinental title at this point. Yeah, unless it's another Zack Ryder. Right. 18-hour situation. Um, David, uh, any any thoughts for Apollo? Who, by the way, really running that Apollo Creed thing last night, just owning it, making it front and center on SmackDown. Yeah, I, I don't see him getting the title here. I think Miz retains. I haven't pushed this at all. The only way I could see it being a title switch is if the other matches are booked in a way where they feel like they want to have like a title switch or something in like an opener or a pre-show, you know, opener or pre-show main event or something like that, that they would switch back quickly or something like that. That's the only way I could see that happening. Otherwise, I think Miz is leaving as champion. So. I, I think a big show like this without a title switch would feel like a letdown. Um, well, you're definitely so, getting one. You're getting a title, yeah. at least. Uh, yeah, a new uh, title, yeah. Yeah. Um, although with Rollins, it really feels like it never left. Uh, you know, just just a creative way to get it back. So speaking of that, Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor for the new WWE Universal Championship. Um, David? Um, I'm not sure. Let's think about this. Uh, 
I think it kind of has to be Balor because otherwise he's choking in his first big match. I don't think the way they've been pushing him so far that's something they can do. Uh, on the other hand, I could totally see them having the attitude of like, oh, he'll get over more if he chases, but it's his first match doing the demon gimmick on the main roster. It's his first pay-per-view match in general. I think he kind of has to win. So I do, I do think... Balor wins, and we're in for months and months and months of hearing Demon King and our brains not processing it right at first because we think they're saying Demon King, which I'm still shocked they're doing this because it's the like it's the most un WWE thing because they just sound so similar. Yeah, I was saying on Monday they should do Demon Prince, you know, because he yeah. used to be called Prince Devitt, you know, yeah. plays off his former name. Um, I agree with Dave, uh, you know, uh, David. I think. Uh, you know, Finn Balor hasn't wrestled on TV since his first night on the, you know, uh, mm-hmm. after being drafted. Um, and so I think it just cuts cuts his legs off if he loses. Now, they could always do, like, Seth Rollins winning by DQ or countout. And since it's not, you know, since it's for the for the title, it's for the first title, you know, he could win it, you know, in, in some screwy way like that. Uh, but I think that would just, I think I would just kind of, blow the wind out of the sails of this feud. So I think you go with Balor. Obviously, it's going to keep going. And, uh, you know, see how he does. Uh, it, it is very fast to put a world title on someone. It's probably one of the, it'd be one of the fastest uh, I can think of for the world title. Uh, I can't think of anyone getting there as quickly. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, other, you just chop his legs off if, if you don't do that. See, I don't know. I mean, I feel like they're not going to, then in my mind that makes the universal championship the secondary title you know um if if they do that i think uh because i, I don't think they're going to push Balor as the face of the company i don't do you think really that he'll win and he'll be on the today show next monday he, he could be uh, he he's uh you know he's good in interviews and i mean he won't go as the demon but, yeah uh, no he's good he's like well i don't know man after the night maybe they'll put him at the demon you know in the today show studio or have him with kathy and hoda and Finn and demon makeup, you know, sitting there drinking wine spritzers. Uh, no, I like Finn a lot. I just, I don't know that, the, I don't know that the company is that confident to put him as the guy out there representing the brand the next day. Or, prediction, Finn wins the Universal title, Roman wins the U.S. title, Roman goes and does the Today Show and all the major media appearances after. Yeah, I don't think they'd, ha- I don't think they'd have him do that. I, I don't think the U.S. The US title isn't enough of a big win to... You know, have him go do all that yeah, crazy media. But pre-suspension, um, I think they would have, but post not. But no, I see. I think Rollins wins. I'll disagree with you guys there, just because mm-hmm. I think um, that if if it's predictable, you know, I, I feel, think that feels so predictable to me that I just don't see how it doesn't happen. Should we go, um, should we go, should we go hair versus hair? <laughs> I'm not going to quite go there. Uh, you know, let me put it this way: if I win, then on the next Monday Night Raw podcast, I get to refer to Roman as Chachi the entire evening. That's all I ask. All right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If, if my prediction is right, that, that Rollins retains. Um, so, and then the match that, that, for all intents and purposes, is the real main event to the mainstream, to the casuals, uh, Brock Lesnar versus Randy Orton. I know we got into this last night as far as my feelings about Brock and Randy's best days <laughs> being behind them. I believe I called them nostalgics and compared them to, uh, uh, compared them to Nickelback and Creed. Um, but um, not in a pejorative way. You know, and hey, how can you case, refer to them as Nickelback and Creed and we, have it we, not be we, in a No, because I'm saying these are both bands that had huge hits 
you know, 10, 15 years ago, and it's like the equivalent of that. They're just coasting on the nostalgia for that. That's how I mean it, not in terms of that they suck. But, um, you know, and by the way, if that's the case, then Cena is Coldplay, because he's the one that's still kind of relevant, but boring, um, or largely I mean, seen as boring. You're crazy is what I got to say. I mean, Orton, you know, his his probably days is, you know, his best days probably are behind him, but Lesnar, I think, is as big as he's ever been. Um, so you think Lesnar wins this? I know you've stated that repeatedly yeah. in the build-up to this. David, do you th- do you think the same? Um, well, I mean, on the bright side for WWE, as weird as it is to say this, Lesnar's drug test failure does mean that he doesn't have the leverage he had, you know, uh, right after UFC 200. So I think they would have been more inclined to have him lose uh, if he hadn't you know, been suspended or been provisionally suspended or whatever you want to call it uh, from competing in MMA. Uh, there's part of me that thinks they'll have Orton win to reestablish him here because he he feels a little fresher than he had in a while. I don't know if that's just that he was off for nine months or that he he also seems a little more motivated than he had been. Uh, I it's my. My head says Lesnar, but I have this gut feeling that it's going to be Orton. I think storyline-wise, this is where I've been with that this the entire time. I think Orton, if SmackDown needs some more main event guys, they need some more top-line guys, and having Orton beat Lesnar makes SmackDown a much more interesting show. Having Lesnar win does zero for Monday Night Raw. Yes. Because he's not a regular cast member. Do you know what happens? I'll tell you what happens. Bray Wyatt interferes, causes Orton the match. Brock Lesnar wins, and and we move on to Orton versus Wyatt on SmackDown. Yeah. And they were teasing down. that storyline heavily last night with that with that segment that they showed. Mark it down. That's what's going to happen. Okay. No, I'll believe that. I'll buy that. At the very least, uh, there'll be something after the match. But but uh, Lesnar's winning. It, it a win over Lesnar means too much. And if they had him against an up and coming star that was really hot. It would make sense for that up-and-coming star to get the win. But Orange, it just doesn't do enough for Orton that it makes it worth it. It's like a victory over The Undertaker. It needs to be done for the right guy at the right time. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, do you think that, uh, and I think this will be impossible this year where, where NXT is at, but do either guys think that TakeOver has a chance of overshadowing SummerSlam this year, at least as far as the IWC is concerned? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, oh, definitely. I feel like NXT is really in a rebuilding phase right now. I feel like there's not as much... I feel like last year they were so strong at TakeOver, you know, with uh, a roster that people loved and that was well-established. Yeah. I think Nakamura and Joe is just enough to, right. really, you know, put it up, put it on, you know, over the top. Oh, I think that'll be a great I match. I think Bailey versus Asuka. There are so many times where TakeOver, the first hour kind of, you know, is just there. Uh, and then you know it's the final two uh, two matches that take it you know over the top, and I think I think you're going to see that again this year. Yeah, aside from Nakamura and Joe and uh, Bailey versus Oscar, I mean, I don't I don't I'm not really yeah looking forward to anything. I mean, like I like Organo and Champa, but I mean them versus the Revival, that's kind of a wash either way, as far as I'm concerned. Really, see, I'm looking forward to that. I think that's pretty clearly the third best match on paper on the show. I mean, do you think or, they'll put the belts on Gargano and Ciampa? Are they exclusive now? Did they, yes, did, yes. So they are exclusive. Well, yeah. maybe they will then. 
and Devin Myers in the YouTube chat noting that Bobby Roode, you know, will be making his uh, will be on the card facing. He's facing No Way Jose. So, no, no, no. Aries is facing. I mean, no Aries is uh, facing uh, Andrade Almas, which I don't see that match clicking. That that seems like the wrong match for both guys right now. Yeah. I am looking forward to Aries versus Noe Jose, but I felt like they built that up so long ago that to just have it sort of pay off now, I feel like maybe they set the seeds too early for that because I I've forgotten that was even happening, you know. Yeah. Um. So we'll see, but no, I'll, I'll be I'll be watching both shows and then Sunday night after SummerSlam, tune in to the Wrestling Inc. podcast live where we'll be Raj Geary, Matt Morgan, and Vince Russo talking about everything that happens on the WWE's second biggest pay per view of the year. And then myself, Raj, Matt Morgan, will be back next Monday to discuss the post SummerSlam Raw, and of course next Wednesday the three of us will be together once again to talk about the post SummerSlam SmackDown. Any? Uh, uh, I know David, uh, you watched the CM Punk documentary. You just want to give people. A quick heads up on that before we uh, go out here? Yeah, so on Fox Sports 1, they aired the first part of the evolution of Punk, CM Punk, four-part documentary series building up to his UFC debut next month. Um, if you want to DVR it, I believe it's technically titled UFC Presents with uh, Evolution of Punk being the subtitles, so if yeah, you need to DVR UFC Presents as opposed to looking for Evolution of Punk, because otherwise you probably won't find it. Uh, it was okay. Uh, it was right at the beginning, because they've been filming him since the beginning of his training, culminating in his first... You, you can call it a smoker, you can call it uh, kind of a pseudo-amateur fight, because obviously he's not going to be doing proper amateur fights in public because of his celebrity... Uh, one word they used, I think, in Punk's interviews was scrimmages, because more than a sparring match, but not quite a full-on fight, but close enough. And he kind of got trucked. He kind of he swept the guy once, but ended up getting submitted with an armbar. Could not stop a takedown at all. Hey he guys, so, I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, WWE just announced that Alberto Del Rio has been suspended. Uh, for a violation of the company talent uh, wellness policy. So he's been suspended for 30 days, effective tomorrow. So you think uh, the next day, uh, by the end of the week, we get the announcement he's going to TNA? or? <laughs> well, if he, I, if he has that out clause in September, uh, who knows? But i, I got to get running real quick, guys. i got to get on this, yeah. but I will talk to you guys. Uh, see you next week. Cool. Thanks, Roger. Uh, so, David, yeah, with the CM Punk thing, I'm, I'm curious to see how it goes. Like you said, sort of, you know, a, a scrimmage, uh, a little more than a friendly competition. But uh, I'm curious how the fight goes. But more than that, I, you know, this documentary is really our chance to give CM Punk some narrative in the UFC. Do yeah. you think that he will work in this medium that's that's very light on narrative and chances to really establish, you know, his character, which is, in my mind, his strength, you know? And obviously depends on what they have. Um... Yeah. He didn't come off, I don't think, that likable in the first part. You know, it, it was only eight weeks in that first, you know, fight or whatever you want to call it, the smoker. Mm -hmm. uh, so for that, and since the guy he was fighting had a decent amount of professional experience, I mean, he acquitted himself decently enough. It should be pointed out, though, that it, it sure seemed like the other guy was told that he couldn't strike on the ground because he didn't <laughs> try once. Uh. And what, whereas Punk did once he briefly got top position um 
<laughs> UFC with stipulations. Like, yeah, you know, I know. And, and watch was... the face because we got to do some media after this. So it's like, you know, oh, weird. and I'm a little sensitive on this rib. So if you could just get all your hits on this side of my body, that would be great. You know? Right. I, I'm guessing there probably was some kind of weird gentleman's agreement for that. Yeah. It was only eight weeks in for him, so I can get it. Yeah. Hey, we'll see how the next couple parts go of of maybe more particular interest to uh, people who are fed up with Punk himself and don't follow MMA. Uh, Because this was 18 months ago, uh, when we see his wife, uh, April, the former AJ Lee in there, this is when she's still in WWE. That's crazy. So at one point he brings home donuts. And he's like showing there's like this one, there's there's this type. And then she's like, I have to show my midriff on TV. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we'll see how she comes off in this too. Uh, she she does not appear to be a fan of MMA at all, what either in general or of him doing it. I mean, she seems supportive, but doesn't seem like a thing she's into at all. It, it, it was well made. Um, they did have this kind of usual thing. Like I say usual because the punk WWE documentary had this too, where the closing montage was set to this really like kind of meh, you know, like current pop punk song to try to establish the mood. Yeah. Uh, I'll see. I mean, you know, it's the first episode. We don't really know anything about his progress from that. For his sake, I sure hope he got a lot better. Yeah. Well, I would think, you know, I, I would say good, good on him for letting them show that, you know what I mean? For, for putting that all in their warts and all. Um, hopefully this is establishing groundwork for a story that's going to end in triumph of victory. But I think that's the problem. I was like, how do you take a guy that did so well in a scripted predetermined medium and then just sort of hope that, that the magic creates itself with the actual results? I think, uh, that's been part of the problem Punk has had with with uh, sustaining his favorable anti-hero image since he left. It's like people really like when he uh, craps on the WWE, but aside from that, I don't know. I mean, like in this format, I don't know if he's as interesting unrestrained. Well, he's also been much more of kind of a generic jerk per- type than the yeah. kind of lovable jerk that he had been for a while. Like, the thing that always stands out to me is when he got into the argument, I think last year with Cahal Pendred, who was a teammate of Conor McGregor's on Twitter when the first video of Punk hitting pads went out and it was kind of scary just how, you know, we didn't know how early it was or whatever, yeah. but he, he just didn't look like someone who knew how to strike at all. And I think Pendred said something like, oh, he makes me look like Muhammad Ali. And Punk's reply was, you know, it's one thing to take a shot at the guy, but he said something to the effect of, I make more in my per diems, you know, when UFC brings me in, <laughs> than you've made for any of your fights. Which is like, really? Nice. Oh, and yeah. Just that kind of, it seemed like that turned a lot of people on him that hadn't yet. No, and I can see that. And I think that's, you know, CM Punk, um, like there's a lot of people that do that sort of anti-hero image. I always point to this example and this is a complete character, not sports, but um, like Adam Carolla, Adam Carolla was really, really great when he was on love line and when he was on terrestrial radio and he was fighting against the man, like he was calling people out on their crap. He was going, you know, bending the rules, breaking the rules in some cases and just sort of doing it his way against the man. CM Punk, same way against the man is great, but now there is no man. 
I mean, Dana White is just, you know, sort of letting him, uh, you know, he, he's not filtered. He's not, he doesn't have to watch what he says anymore. And because of that, I don't know, I think he needs a, a barrier to push up against. That's when he's at his most interesting is when he has rule, very set rules to break. Right. There's no more man he's fighting against. Now he's a millionaire playing. Yeah, and that's the problem. And Adam Carolla with this podcast, to complete the analogy, Adam Carolla with this podcast, unrestrained, no rules. Now Adam's the man, and that's not as interesting, <laughs> you know? I think he had some good shows, but I get your general idea with his persona. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. So I think you need conflict. So with CM Punk, like, what's the conflict if this is a scrimmage? You know what I mean? It's not like he's he's not facing the John Cena of UFC, um, you know? And if he did that, he would get his ass kicked. You know, if he, if he was facing a top UFC guy. Uh, I guess the conflicts with Hornswoggle. That I'd pay to see, you know. <laughs> so, uh, or whoever yeah. you're currently offending in, you know, in real life. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious to see the other episodes. I mean, I'm going to keep watching for sure, but I didn't think they did a great job setting him up in this first episode. Cool. Well, I'm going to definitely check out the documentary. Uh, I'm sure, you know, we'll, we'll keep talking about it here as it goes in the buildup to, to Punk's UFC debut. Um, again, SummerSlam coming up this Sunday. You know where to find our podcast. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Be sure to uh, subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a, a, a tweet at any of us. You can get all our Twitters in the show notes. And, uh, yeah, we will be back here Sunday night to talk about SummerSlam with Matt Morgan, Raj Geary, and Vince Russo. And I'll see you all on Monday for our Raw recaps with Raj and Matt Morgan. So uh, until next time, thanks for tuning in. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, and we'll see you back here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.